The following is a pre-recorded program. This is always a good place to come into this piece of theme music. Tom Kearney here on a Thursday night. It is March 21st, and on March 21st is the kind of date you think of uh, being the first day of spring, and indeed it was the first full day of spring. Spring arrived at 5.58 yesterday, 5.58 p.m., and so we're, we're already a day into spring, and uh, tonight's guest and I agreed on the way in that we were ready for it to identify itself, to, uh, to warm up a little bit, and I'm told that it's going to happen this weekend. The guest, oh, I forgot to mention his name. Actually, I did it on purpose. I'm teasing you a little bit. His name is Mike James, and Mike comes to visit us two or three times a year. Usually in the fall, he comes to uh, help us understand what is going on with regard to a very serious subject, and that is Medicare Part D, because that's the, when the window for changing it or enrolling in it. But he is a pharmacist of, of well, I won't say long standing because that might make <laughs> him mad, but he has experience. He is, now, I forgot to ask you this. Um, you are still the proprietor. Of PCP drugs. PSP. PSP. Yes, okay. absolutely, absolutely. I uh, forgot to ask a gentleman one night, and he had changed his circumstances, and oh, okay. I was talking yeah. about the previous circumstances. Right, gotcha. But I, I just assumed that things were the same. That is correct. PSP, uh, and it is located within the confines of Carly C's. What is the name of the shopping center? On Newburn Avenue. On Newburn Avenue. Avenue. Okay. Past, past the hospital and right. go across the belt line and there you are and it's uh there's a lot there's a big shopping area there and mm. mrs Kearney and i were out there i, I just remember it was really hot the day we were yeah. there and yeah, i right. went by to pick up a cane and you know she expropriated that cane <laughs> i have not i have not been able to touch it it was supposed to be my i walked with a cane now ladies and gentlemen and i and mr mr james is is my supplier at the current point uh, but uh, Mrs. Kearney took it. She liked the looks of it, and so she's been using it. The, the other reason he comes and visits with us is I've always been interested in uh, home remedies, alternative drugs. Um, I was telling him about my father, who was certified Eastern North Carolina rural, that uh, he m mostly did not believe in doctors. Uh, and uh, there was one doctor I can't remember. I, I think I remember the guy's name, but I don't want to get it wrong. In Wayne County, that he believed in, and this was a doctor that, to to some extent, worked out of his car. And people in 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 the first part of the 20th century in Wayne County would know this guy's name, but I, I'll just leave it out. But he he did not believe in that, and he believed in home remedies, and most things could be solved with um, petrocarbosalve and uh, uh, Vicks Vapor Rub, and I think we had a few aspirin in our medicine cabinet, and that was about it. Yep. Uh, I have I have smelled like a tar plaster at least once in my life. A lot of people use that, absolutely. And uh, Mike has the advantage of being not only a, a fully educated, certified pharmacist, but he is from the state of Alabama where there are some rural folks too, and uh, he once lived in my hometown of Goldsboro. That's right. Right. Uncle, Uncle Sam took me to your hometown. That's right. exactly right. The tour. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people that come to North Carolina for the first time come as a guest of, the, of Uncle Sam. Uh, right. we had a, I had a gentleman last night who lived in, is in Goldsboro now who was from Wisconsin, and he came as a member of the United States Air Force and liked it and stayed, and we're glad that he stayed. It's a good place to, to retire, I think. 
Well, I think it's a great town, and, and uh, back in those days, they had a, a B-52 wing there, and it's really a tank base, a fighter fighter base. Uh, but uh, we had a small B-52 wing there, which is how I got there. Uh, and they moved those out of there years later, long after mm-hmm. I was gone. And so people of Goldsboro don't have to put up with all that noise now. They just hear the jets. Well, somebody asked me about hearing airplanes one time, and a line of sight uh, where we lived in Goldsboro was on Ellum Street. You know where that is. Yeah. And uh, it probably was no more than a mile to where they warmed them up every morning, had those big concrete shields. Right. And I, you, after a while, you just don't notice it anymore. Yeah. It's just there. It becomes part of your day. It, yeah. Right. It's just a, yeah. it's a sound. But they were. I learned when I was in high school is when they reopened it. Tack, sack, and ADC is what yeah. they had. Right. Then. And I had a girlfriend whose father was in uh, uh, Tack, and she never knew where he was. You know, mm-hmm. that's the suitcase Air Force. That's right. And, that's exactly right. And a lot of times, she, they, he, the family didn't know where he was because they had to pick up and go whenever mm-hmm. whenever the time came. But uh, and we've had some really good programs. You remind me. I was thinking about this the other day. Somebody asked me if I had ever heard of the, the B-52, you know, that had the atomic bombs on it. And, of course, right. we've done some really good programs on that. Yeah. We may have to repeat one of those. And as, as you said before many times, I'm sure, you had a B-52 go down at Goldsboro. Right. That had the bombs on it. And they fell out of the airplane. <laughs> exactly they weren't right. supposed to. But when I was <laughs> yeah. a senior in high school, two— 3.9 megaton bombs were yep. dropped in northern West. And it's, and it's my understanding there's still one in the ground. Part of it is there. Part of it, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, and actually, that was the safest one I, I maintain. Uh, somebody may, who knows more about it than I do, uh, because it disintegrated, and the secret of an atomic bomb, a hydrogen bomb, is proximity of certain elements. They right. have to be close together. Right. And once it fell apart, the the danger of it exploding now there's, there's radiation da- danger right but they um, there's nothing wrong with us talking about this either uh, well I can assure you we got lots of briefings about that oh absolutely well, uh, well and they they uh, they tried to dig it out for about six months but you and I know that eastern North Carolina is to some extent a swamp yeah and, and the water was coming in as fast as the company that was charged with getting it. Yeah. They finally just gave up and said, but the other bomb did not explode, and it six of the, five of the six switches or something like that that were safety switches had been thrown. We were one away from, yeah. as the guy who disarmed it said to me, Tom, if it had gone off, you would have had the Bay of Carolina right here. <laughs> it Re- rearrange the area. That's right, exactly. Right. But that, that, that makes you think. That makes you appreciate life. Oh, it does. And, Absolutely. And, but... Uh, the topic tonight sort of is is uh, old time medicines. I think generally, and that would include cough medicines and uh, all kinds of different things. And I, there's nothing really off uh, off limits. But what made me think about this is when I used to watch the Beverly Hillbillies. About the, in the spring of the year, Granny used to go completely mad, wanting to tonic the the children and, right. and Jed. And I thought I would ask you if you ever, as a pharmacist or in, in your life experience, had ever encountered the idea of tonicking. I think sometimes it was thought to be something like castor oil, but it would could be others. In fact, I read a thing today that suggested that there was a tendency to eat a lot of greens and things right. and, and so on. So it was the, the old tonic that you're talking about was a tonic that was— wasn't castor oil, but it was a first cousin. Okay. Uh, and, of course, it was, it was all, as, as they used to say, 
we have to do this every spring to clean you out. Okay. You know, and that's that was their logic. And you still, it's not, it hadn't been that many years since we've seen people that, that still stuck with that process. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I don't can't tell you that I've seen anybody in the recent past uh, that followed that guideline, but uh, it was a common thing years ago. It's an, and it's not totally unrelated, at least in, in the physicality of it, to, I used to have a neighbor, a young lady who was very modern, and she would, ha would have a purifying routine occasionally. And yeah. Like over a weekend, she would drink right. just orange juice or something like that with yeah. the idea that it would. And uh, I, I just, I'm thinking of things that I hadn't imagined before, but what the Kellogg people got started in, in the business of health by uh, advocating high colonics and, mm -hmm. and, and things like that. That was the brother of the man who started the, the cornflakes company. Right, right. And, uh, uh, it's very interesting over the years how things develop, mm -hmm. how trends go and how trends go away and what they think is good and what they think is bad. And the, the comment you made a while ago by the aspirin, I'm sure you've seen this in the last mm -hmm. two days, that— I think when you go get your physical, I go get my physical, what the thing the doctor says to you is you're taking your aspirin every day. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody decided that was the best thing you could do for your heart and help prevent a heart attack and circulation and, and so forth. And now we see they did this long, involved study with thousands of people, and they're saying that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. That it's a good idea for someone that's over 70 that has heart problems or has had a heart attack, but not for those people who have not because they're saying the trauma to the digestive system with acetylsalicylic acid, which is what we're talking about, mm -hmm. winds up being a situation that causes more harm necessarily than it might do good. So um, it's confusing sometimes, very confusing. You hear, you hear things for years and years and years that you're supposed to do, and then all of a sudden you're not. Well, I have had pretty good luck. I've been on a therapeutic aspirin right. since uh, about 1991 when I had an angioplasty. And right. the reason is my arteries were clogging up and yeah. of course what the aspirin does it's a blood center right. is what it is it makes it flow better and I but I did something a farm our friend Wita told yeah, me right. to do this yeah. always to make sure and you would have told me the same yeah. thing if I'd asked you to always take it with food right. and and it, it, it cushions the, right. the effect on your stomach and so on and but they are now talking, I believe, more and more. We ought to have a program where we talked about seriously about things like pain right. killers more and more that things that we have thought were safe to take, like ibuprofen and things like that, uh, are not as safe to take mm -hmm. as we, we would think they would be. But I, I've uh, always tried to take it responsibly and and try to put something, take it with food and and right. have a good regiment to, to, to make sure. But you're the good example of the person that still needs to take that because right. of your history. Yeah. Right, right. I have. It's that person that has no history in right. the heart world that they're saying doesn't need to be on it. So. Well, you, know, well, you remember, and then mm -hmm. we need to take a break. In fact, we will take a break. We're going to talk, I'm going to ask you about B.C. Okay. Uh, and and I'm not having, I have no case against B.C., but— uh, the there was a kind of a BC scare or something about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, of people who knew they were going to have pain. Maybe they were driving uh, caterpillar tractors or something, but they were taking them. There, were, there was the, the idea of people taking them routinely as a preventative, as a preventative, yeah. and and the dangers inherent in that and so on. Right. Uh, there's nothing wrong with taking it. Well, I won't say that, but. There's a difference between taking it when you need to take it and taking it preventatively. And there are, and every drug 
I've got a pharmacist here in the room with me now has a side effect. That's right. Absolutely. You, 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 there's no, nothing that's free. You have to deal with something. Mike James is the person who I'm pressing for support here <laughs> because of my weird attitudes about drugs. Uh, we're going to talk about old-time drugs. And if you have a, a drug that or, or something that you took that maybe was ad administered to you, I was watching a Sanford and Son one night, and he had an asphidity bag. Does that sound right? Asphidity. Asphidity. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll come back to that after this. What you need to know, and I feel to give you, if you're going to join our program, and wherever you come from, you don't have to be from North Carolina, but uh, who knows, you may be from West Virginia or Wisconsin or Missouri, and there might have been some strange or maybe not so strange medicine that you uh, were administered. Um, I have, uh, I, I think I said to Mike earlier that we had aspirin and we had Vicks VapoRub, and it could be used for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and it was, in fact, a North Carolina product. But uh, our number is 919, which is the same number we always use. That's our area code, and it's 860-9783. So if you have an unusual drug story that you would like to share with us or a question to ask Mr. James, uh, call 919-860-WPTF. That's what the numbers work out to if you have letters on your telephone, 9783. And uh, you, like me, you may have had a, a, well, I actually had a tar plaster one time and I've had a mustard plaster. Yeah. And the worst thing about a tar plaster is you went to school and all the kids knew you still you could you, you know, were tar you, you were tar you, <laughs> right. you smelled like that and I didn't want to do that I was not that bad off but uh, when your parents uh, do that to you you you, you remember it so go back and talk about asafit well I I saw it on um, as I said the Sanford and Son and yeah. Fred was you know uh, given to certain prejudices but uh, he. He was had a real bad cold or something. He had a wag wrapped around his head and everything, and he had an asphidity bag. Maybe his friend, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, Grady yeah. suggested it or yeah. something around his neck. But uh, apparently it smelled bad. But what is in, what well, is in uh, that? To people that are not familiar with this, anybody that's ever experienced it will absolutely know. But for those who are not, it, you just described it. It was a small block, about a half an inch by half an inch. And it was a tar-type product, mm -hmm. um, a first cousin, we'll say, to Kotar. Um, and it came in that little block, and they kept 12 blocks to a box. And when you started to get a coal, the mom would wrap that up, open it up, get the paper off of it, wrap it up, put it in a little bag, like you said, and put it around your neck. And the logic was, or they believed, that that product, because it was so bad, would ward off Mm -hmm. the coal. Uh, and so you would have to wear that two or three days in a row. And like you said, people going to school and things of that nature was not the most fun thing in the world. But but uh, I don't think there was anything to ever prove that it actually worked, but it was uh, it was a, a well-known way to treat a coal. Well, when people talk to me about those things, you know, that uh, if you hide a penny under your pillow, it will right. cure a tooth. I want to know the mechanism. I mean, yeah. that is exactly how does it work. And I've read a story, uh, uh, I, uh, the history of the, the cholera in, in London. 
and they they were able to figure out how to stop a, a plague. You know, it was spreading right. wide because they, they they the guy what he did he made a map. It's in fact that's the it's the ghost map. That's I think the name of the book, and he made a map of where the cases were, and they were all located around a certain area, and he surmised he just guessed that it was or it was an informed guess I'm sure that it was connected to the fact that they all got their water from a water pump. Mm-hmm. But they, at that time, they still believed that that the what caused it was airborne. It was miasma. Right. It was right. in the air. And that's probably why this acidity thing was, was, was mm-hmm. popular. People didn't know how it got to to be. And I was talking right. to you about my father had looking in the almanac to find out when to have his tooth pulled. And uh, that the moon controlled the, the, the right. forces that uh, would cause him to bleed more or less and so on. But he, he truly believed in that and went by it. Uh, well, it's like we said before, you know, you look at almanacs, and uh, I don't think probably we see as many almanacs around as we used to. But, you know, the farmer's almanac mm-hmm. uh, was always a very popular almanac. And it's just amazing to look in there and look on a day-to-day basis of their their weather predictions and other things they had in there. Uh, how accurate they were. Now, I don't know if we look at it and see something that's true, we, that's what we remember. But all those other days, we don't remember those because they weren't right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So consequently, uh, you're exactly right, though. Years ago, and I, when I say years ago, we're talking 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Not, not that long. Yeah, exactly ago. right. Yeah. One like we're talking about the 1800s. You know, yeah. You know? And uh, people lived and died by the by the book, you know. Farmers planted their, their sure. thing. And I, I just occurred to me something. Uh, there used to be a, a, a lady prophet named Jean Dixon. I don't know if you remember that name, but yeah. uh, they were building a prominent uh, building in Raleigh. I, I probably shouldn't say the building, but they she predicted that it was going to fall down. And oh, really? It has not yet, yeah. as a matter of fact. But, uh, she just but didn't that, say when, right? Right, but, but it, it speaks to what you were just talking about in that if it did fall down, we would say, that's Gene a, Dixon predicted that's right. this, but that's if exactly it doesn't fall down, people forget it. Exactly and, uh, right. Yeah. Except yeah. I didn't forget it yet. <laughs> but that's what that's what happens is if if, if it turns out to be that way, then you, you go with that. And you mentioned a while ago Vicks Vaporub. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, Vicks Vaporub has been on a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And it's still on the shelves today and sells very well, Vicks Vaporub. So yeah. you grew up with it being rubbed on your chest, I'm sure. And right. Some other people put it under their nose and all types of things. But uh, interesting enough, it, it has that vapor process, in which which is the purpose of it, in order to help open up your sinuses and makes you breathe better. Well, I love things that have menthol in yeah. them, and that's one of the things that's in it. But it, it very carefully says makes you feel better. Right. It doesn't necessarily that it makes you it doesn't necessarily make you any better. Right. But that but that's it's symptomatic, so maybe all you want to do is feel better. I know you feel I, like you're breathing better, you feel better. I, I, right. I've been there, so I'm not really putting that completely down. Yeah. Mike James, pharmacist, is our guest tonight. We're talking about old time remedies. Back in a moment. The following is a pre recorded program. 933 at News Radio 680 WPTF. Our friends at King's Auto want you to know that the old saying that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is still applicable to your vehicle. Capital Quick Lube is now located within King's Auto Service on Northwest Street in Raleigh. It used to be on P Street, but of course, uh, they're building something else there now. <laughs> you, if you, if you'd re- and if you regularly go on P Street, you would certainly notice that. Uh, oil changes are the most important maintenance service your engine 
can get. And King's Capital Quick Lube provides a good, quick place to do that and also to get your state inspection. As I've mentioned when talking about this stuff before, I got my car inspected and it took about 15 minutes and I didn't have to have an appointment. That's between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. So if you need, if your time's running out and you need to get it done, go go see the people at uh, King's Auto. If you require more extensive maintenance, uh, it's also available at King's Auto Service. For instance, what they're telling you there is if something's wrong, they can fix it for you. If you're currently driving a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, the certified hybrid technicians at King's are now able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than half of what the dealer would charge to replace it. This usually occurs, by the way, at about 150,000 miles. Call King's tomorrow to schedule a courtesy battery analysis. King's Auto Service and uh, uh, is at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and uh, at kingsauto.net on the web. King's Auto Service, Raleigh's most reliable auto care since 1946. And that, by the way, makes it the oldest garage in Raleigh at this point. There was they one do. that was older. They, yeah, but it, they do excellent work. Uh, yeah. I know you used yeah, still your, do. Yeah. Your, your, one of your vehicles yeah, over there. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, the other voice, I'm Tom Kearney, of course, and the other voice is Mike James, who is a pharmacist. Uh, PSP, I got it right that time. Pharmacy. Uh, it's located in the Carly C's uh, on Newburn Avenue. And Newburn Avenue, of course, is turns into 64, 264, right outside the Beltline. Right. I, I think I'm right about right, that. That's correct. And um, it's, um, well, it's, it's worth going to, and it's worth it. Mrs. Carney got a kick out of going to, to your store because yeah. Carly, see, Mr. McLam is is from her part of the world. Yeah, right, you're right. From nice, Dunn. nice people. Nice people. That's yeah. right, and they have good stuff there. Uh, she usually drives to Dunn though to go to the because <laughs> that's the one that she started with. That's the one. But they have. That's the one she's loyal to, right? Uh, well, she knows. She says she knows where everything is. Yeah, that's yeah. all. But uh, in any event, uh, uh, I, I, there's one in Goldsboro that I've. Sometimes go to when I'm when I'm down there. I'll tell you this one here. They have just done a total remodel, uh-huh. absolutely total remodel of it. So it's uh, they've done a good job, and they they obviously have a good spread of. They uh, have good. Products. I'm told by Mrs. Kearney they have good produce. Then. Great produce, great great meat. Great meat. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what they started with the butcher. I think yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. The first yeah. Mr. McLamb was a butcher. Yeah. Mike is here to talk about drugs tonight, but not uh, legal drugs. Legal drugs. <laughs> to talk about legal drugs, but but those kind that were developed when people did not have all the uh, scientific understanding and technology and everything, but needed some kind of relief and and all of the and and they had to make do. Is what right. they had to do a lot of times, and uh, uh, that's why I told you my dad used petrocarbon salve, which mm-hmm. is. Uh, Pretty heavy duty, but it was good for a lot of things. And like if you had a blister on the back of your foot, if you put some in there on that, it would. Yeah. And these right. are people who had to go out and work whatever the they couldn't couldn't stop. They had to keep going. They had to figure out some way to make make the situation workable. That's a save that they basically what it would boil down to. If you had a skin problem, mm-hmm. that's what they would use. Right. Right. Exactly. And. Uh, uh, and so we've invited you to join us at 919-860-9783 if you have a question and or a comment. And this is Ed in Raleigh. Ed, what's on your mind tonight? Well, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. I'm going to warn you now, uh, Mike, uh, that Ed is from Robertson County. So Uh-oh. he has unusual knowledge. That so he knows where St. Paul's is. He knows where St. Paul's is. Uh, yeah, yeah. St. Paul is way north of, of where 
the the area I'm growing for uh, um, the area I'm from, but but uh, I, I do know St. Paul's. I used to own a pharmacy in St. Paul's called Brisson Drugs. Did you really? I did. Yeah. There was a big and tall uh, men's yep. shop there for a long That's time. That's right. He's still there too. Is it? Yep. Yeah. I, I believe I believe their billboards were about as big as Pedro's. <laughs> so, now you mean I, south I, of the border or something? He, he like could that? actually he could, he could fit anyone. I can assure you. Yeah. <laughs> well, now did Ed? Did you did you in growing up uh, in your part of the world use uh, old fashioned? Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Well, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, my my grandfather on my father's side, the Robert Canning, was a, a country doctor and studied medicine. Uh, got his uh, medical degree at Bowman Gray, uh, uh, right right near where you went to school, Tom. Right, exactly. Well, uh, you know, I'm gonna stop you for a minute because you know the. The University of North Carolina Medical School really didn't come into total being until after World War II. And before that, you had to go to Duke or to Bowman Gray. Yeah, that's right. Well, he, he, had, he was more of a holistic kind of, kind of doctor. And he'd have us kids go out. And he was also, uh, he also had an apothecary in Roland um, and used a lot of herbs and, and uh, that sort of thing. Um, and one of the things that, that he used, and it's now become real popular because they've kind of discovered the, the medicinal qualities of it, and I think would, would be good for you, Tom, is um, uh, 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 cumin or curcumin. You mean, you mean like the spice? Yeah, the spice. Okay. You use it with black pepper. It's a great anti-inflammatory. That's what he used it for, and, it, and it's great right. for the circulatory system. Keeps plaque from building up in your your yeah. blood vessels and um, and and that sort of thing. That's it. And I have seen that headline in in uh, articles about uh, drugs and so on. So, but I never have known what to make of it. Uh, well, you might want to do a little research into it. Um, you know, in India, where they they use it a lot in curry, um, yeah, they they don't have a lot of the heart problems. Uh, people eat uh, a lot of curry that that we have over here. But for your your guest, one of the things that um, uh, my grandfather used and I still use today, along with the curcumin and black pepper. Black pepper acts as a catalyst for the uh, uh, the curcumin to to work, um, uh, but for pain, used um, wild lettuce, and it's sometimes called opium lettuce. Yep, because it has a lot of the the same analgesic qualities that opium does, but it's not addictive or doesn't make you high or anything like that. And it grows out in your yard. I was going to say it, it's it's actually out in the in the yard somewhere in the field somewhere. Uh, absolutely, it grows all over the place. Well, I I'm going to stop you here because we have another caller waiting. But I, I do say one of my problems is is uh, I cannot discriminate. I don't know enough about what's growing in my yard. I might be out there <laughs> eating poison. When in the, when I was young, in the, like the first or second and third grade, our schoolyard was full of what we called sour grass. Right. It was a kind of reddish, purplish stuff that when you right. chewed it, 
and I might have been chewing poison for all I knew, but we but we would all be dead if it was true because we all did it. So what you're saying is that you're not going out and pick any mushrooms, right? Right. Yeah. I'm, that's exactly right. I'm going to stay away from the mushrooms. Well, it looks a lot like dandelion, mm-hmm. except that the bloom on it, it sends up a, a, a much taller stalk with a yellow bloom. And uh, that's the biggest way to differentiate it between dandelion and, and the wild lettuce. Well, now, you know, Ed, that I know about where you live, the neighborhood. <laughs> so I'm going to drive around looking for these dandelions out in the yard now, okay? <laughs> okay, Tom. Thank I'll take, you over, I'll take right. you over to the Rose Garden and pick some for you. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Good to talk to you, Ed. Hey, it was my pleasure. Have a good night. Thanks. And that's the kind of uh, people who are members of our radio family. That's right. Ed's an old friend of ours. And here's a lady who's a friend of ours, too. Debbie, how are you this evening? Debbie? We, okay. I've got to see if I can. Debbie, are you there? I'm here. Okay, I was not sure. Now, the Coke that you're talking about is kind of like Coca-Cola, right? Right. I remember my mom. Well, I, I remember Mike touching on the subject, I think, the last time he was there. And my mom talked about when she was a little girl growing up that they would go to the drugstore and ask for a dope. And didn't didn't it have something stronger in it? Well, you know, the, the Coca-Cola that began uh, in the early years actually had cocaine in it. That's what I thought. That's where the dope word came from, and that's where the Coke came from. But, wow. the, but and, it left it pretty early. Yeah, it? right. It was only years it was in there. But uh, I can remember my grandfather telling stories about the fact that my grandmother insisted that they would not participate in the Coca-Cola drinking because it had cocaine in it. Uh, but uh, that's where the that's where the term dope came from. And you can tell how this worked in that two or three of our famous soft drinks were, in fact, originally created or formulated by pharmacists. That's right. They call it Coca-Cola, Dr. Dr. Pepper, Pepper yeah. and Pepsi-Cola. Exactly. Uh, I didn't know that. That's, that's true. interesting. That's true. So you've got to imagine that back in those days— Every pharmacy had a old soda fountain in it, uh-huh. and had all these different drinks they made and so forth. And so you had you had energetic, uh, inventive pharmacists trying to figure out how to make a better drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, hence, you game just like Tom said, you had those three that have lasted throughout the years and obviously grown greatly. Well, I know that uh, my grandparents definitely didn't know it was cocaine. They wouldn't have <laughs> let her drink it. But uh, anyway, it was. I think it was during the, uh, she grew up during the Depression. Right. And uh, so anyway, and I, I don't know, did, did it stop uh, before World War II was over? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, way before World War II. Actually, yeah. I think the Coke, the Coke had been removed from Coca-Cola by the turn of the century, I believe, because I've had reason to do research on this and that uh, my grandfather... Uh, I was a Coca-Cola delivery person. He he drove a truck, and he, I think, sold the first Coca-Cola in Goldsboro in 1908. And so, yeah, you had a bottling plant down there, didn't you? It, well, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, you know, the bottling plants, we're using you as a foil now, uh, Debbie. They were but what now? Bottling plants were common in those days in that Coca-Cola, until way up into the 20th century, never made a Coca-Cola. It made the syrup, and it sold the syrup to franchisees, and they made the Coca-Cola. Right. So you would find a box. And, Mike, I know you've played the game where you go in the store and you see the guy looking 
up uh, at the bottom of the bottle. Right. If you four guys go over and they get Cokes, and the one who had the furthest or closest or something would have to pay for the drinks. Right. And, and it was because each town had its own set of bottles. And there was like it was a one in Wilson and one in Goldsboro. It was an extension of that one. And in my wife's hometown of Dunn, there was a, a one that was an extension of the Fayetteville. And it was embossed in the glass on the bottom of the bottle. It, the town, yeah. yeah. And you could tell where the bottle had come from. But uh, you mean the different plants in each right, of the towns, right? Uh-huh. Right. And the syrup. What what the Coca Cola bottlers bought the franchises they bought the syrup. Right. And uh, and uh, they the. Coca-Cola Company in, in Atlanta did not make Coca-Colas uh, until— You had to follow the formula in that particular plant. Right. And if you went into a— uh, So they made the syrups in the plant. They made the syrups at the plant. And if you went into a—I know I used to go to a place in Goldsboro, Mike. I don't know if it was still there when you were there, called the Candy Kitchen. And yeah, the, the way they made the Cokes there is you would have a, a cup, and the guy would squirt about two squirts of Coca-Cola syrup, and then put some ice in it. And then he had a another fountain that had carbonated water, right. just plain carbonated right. water, and it was it was mixed right there, right in front of you. That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah you remember the big, the big. Mm-hmm. You pull the lever down, and like a, you yeah. like you would have in a in a, in yeah. a pub or something yeah, exactly. like that. Then. But I, I liked it with all that syrup. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. I yeah. thought they tasted better with all that syrup. <laughs> well, well, it was it was worth the trip, Debbie. We need okay. to go now. All right. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for calling, Bye. Debbie. Take care. We call her Little Debbie usually because she has a, a fascination with Little Debbie snack cakes. Oh, I got so, you. Okay. Very good. <laughs> we'll be back with Mike James in just a couple of minutes. Nine fifty one News Radio six eighty WPTF. Fun talking about. Drugs, alternative drugs. Uh, we're going to talk to Alex here for a couple of minutes, and then I do want to come back to to the uh, uh, the preparations uh, for pain relief that we used to take. Uh, that our my grandmother used to take. Excuse me, stand back, you know, yeah, in the right. envelope and everything. Yeah, right. Talk about those yeah. for a minute. Alex, are you there? Yes, I'm here. You want to talk about quinine water? Yeah. What, what is what does he know about quinine and chiltonic uh, back in the 1900s and 1890s. Uh, that, I think that is- I think uh, quinine water back in those days were like a lot of the other tonics people took. I think they took them for various and sundry reasons. I can't tell you that I can put my finger on anything that they were specifically for. Uh, you know, back in the turn of the century, they had a lot of patent medicines, as we call them. Uh, bottles, right. bottles you see now that used to have a cork in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those medicines were sold door-to-door and town-to-town and things of that nature, and they, in essence, would claim a lot of things uh, that they would do. Uh, obviously, nausea, settle your stomach, et cetera, et cetera. Then you'd have some that would claim that uh, they would help your blood pressure and help your blood flow and things well, of that nature. babies, too. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, you think about this. We don't. We think this is crazy now, but— you know, they used to give babies cocaine. Uh, <laughs> they rub it on their teeth. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. They, they would, they would, uh, they would in laudum, laudum, which is opium, yeah. uh, dissolved would, in alcohol. Yeah. yeah, they would, they would rub that on their teeth, and they were just fascinated because the child went to sleep and didn't wasn't fussy anymore, and so forth. And of course, they had just put them out. Is what they had done. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, quinine water uh, built the Grove Park in. Yeah, exactly right. 
Yeah, we have actually talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah. we discovered. I discovered. Mike probably already knew it. That uh, a couple of years ago, that um, what was the man's name? That Grove had a, a patent medicine yeah. business, yeah. and it was mostly in Tennessee. But uh, yeah, or, Paris Medicine Company. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's where the money that built one of the nicest places to go in North Carolina came from. Was uh, yeah. I think he started it, uh, the building of the hotel about 1913. But he had a he made a fortune on. Now, I want to go back to something you mentioned. I haven't heard this for years. What is chill tonic? Uh, Grove's chill tonic. That's what uh, Wiley Grove invented uh-huh. at the Paris Medicine Company. Uh, and he went over, over foreign countries to get quinine and produced that. And the, and the, the bottle had a, a pig on it with a kid, a baby's face on it, said make, would make kids... Uh, fattest pigs trying to fatten kids up. Uh, that was one of the advertising. Well, one of the things they used quinine for, and I just read this today. I was reminded of it. I already knew it. It was, it was uh, used in the British Empire to treat uh, malaria. Mm-hmm. And yeah. but the quinine water that we get, that we that, uh, uh, and that you uh, have in drinks now is much much milder. Yeah. Much much uh, strength is much less. Strength is much less right. than right. The, right. The, the stuff. Uh, that they used to use, but apparently it had some effect and on malaria, and that was the big disease that they, throughout the British Empire that they had to deal with. But right. uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. But the Grove Chill Tonic and quinine and so forth that that he did uh, is fascinating because of the amount of revenue that he brought in. So you have to imagine how many bottles of that was sold on a yearly basis to bring in yeah. the amount of yeah. dollars uh, that he that he had. Any that idea? was his main product, and then the Bristol Myers bought him out. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any so. idea about the alcohol content? Oh, I've Alex? never heard about the content on it. Uh, <laughs> just it probably had all sorts of other junk in it, but I'm sure there was some type of yeah. There was, right. there was some alcohol in it. Yeah. And does, does it still exist? Now that that is the question. Well, when I ask about alcohol, I, I was thinking about the thing that was popular when I was very young called Hadacol. Which was about fifteen percent alcohol or something like that. It was exactly. Yeah. That would cure a lot of illness. Yeah, yeah, it did. Well, that's why if you watch the Andy Griffith show, there's an episode devoted to uh, uh, snake oil salesman who comes to to town, mm-hmm. played by yeah. John Daner, and and uh, Aunt B is one of the people who who buys some of this product to rejuvenate her. And uh, Andy and Barney come home and. Uh, Barney looks at her. She's playing the piano and bouncing up and down and just having a good time. And he says, she's gassed, Andy. She's gassed. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was great. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Hanikal was one of the major sponsors for the Lawrence Welk Show for years. I did not know yes. that. Yeah. And, and so until they decided that maybe this is not exactly what we thought it was. Well, a lot of those drugs, and we're, we're out of time here. We're, in fact, we're cheating on John right now. So, Alex, we're going to have to thank you for joining us and hope we can talk with you again sometime. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. And uh, uh, a lot of the drugs that have been examined, in fact, uh, there was some little liver pills that they decided should be just branded little pills yeah, instead of, exactly. because they weren't sure exactly what they did, yep. if anything, to the liver. So Mike James has been our guest tonight. He's been very patient as we wandered all over the face of, of <laughs> old-time drugs and other things, and we appreciate you listening and the folks who called in. Uh, tomorrow night will be our trivia night. We hope you will join us then, and we're going to have a lot of interesting programs next week, and we hope you'll be around on News Radio 680 WPTF.